This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Along with Brian and Jake, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. As a matter of fact, Brian will be in charge of the uh, Throwback Thursday music. Very curious to hear what he's got. You know, he's kind of a, you know, kind of a DJ since he's good vibes. 365, is it, if I remember correctly? That is, that is correct. Right? Yeah, yeah, you got that right. right. All right, so good vibes, 365. So You're, you're putting know. a lot of pressure on me, Larry, already from the get-go. Well, yeah, but you can handle it. I've, I've heard your work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. You're good. It, it, no I worries. had to think of, a, like, throwback ones that I like, hmm, let's see if Larry likes these. Ah, I haven't played these in a like. while. So. Nice. See, that's what I'm looking for. That's exactly what I'm looking for, stuff you haven't played in a while. Excellent. Excellent. So it's going to be a fun night here on 98.7 ESP. You know what they always say? Let's go to work. We begin in the NBA, and the conversation continues, right? I heard Carlin talking about it. The K Show was talking about it. Bart and Han continually talk about it. And it's the situation about the New York Knicks. And obviously, more and more people are talking about this because we're getting near the draft. Right? So the draft is the 18th, and we'll have it here live on 98.7 ESPN. Carlin will begin our coverage. He'll take us right into our coverage with his show at 7, and then we'll join the draft, and we'll jump in when the Knicks pick at 8. If they still have the 8th pick, maybe they trade down and get more. I mean, I don't know, but we'd assume that they're going to stay with number 8. So, once again, all the conversation about players that can make this team better is going around. There's a Victor Oladipo story that's out that we'll touch on and expand more in top stories next hour here on 98.7 ESPN. Obviously, the Chris Paul story is going. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, his name continues to be associated with the Knicks and possibly the Clippers. So there's a lot of conversation about the Knicks right now. And I know that through our conversations here on the show that many of you continue to say you want to build through the draft that many of you say listen we've been burned before by what this team wants to do when they go with the big free agents a lot of you felt that going after Carmelo Anthony a couple of years ago did not work that wasn't the way to go uh, then some of you felt that you know it was okay it just didn't work out which is how I felt because you wanted to have somebody that was entertaining you wanted to have somebody that had some talent that could that you could build the team around. And see, that I think is the big mistake that we make when we look at that Carmelo Anthony era. And even when we look at that Nick team in the 90s, is that what did they do to successfully build around the player they got and make them better and make the team deeper to make it where more than one person couldn't you'd have to defend more than one person to beat you. In other words, your your defense was, well, if we stop Carmelo, we got a shot to really control them. We just have to take Carmelo out the game. And, yeah, we know about Steve Novak and the, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the whipping his hand around his waist when he hit a three. And we know about some of the other players who were okay but inconsistent during that time period. But they never really dug in and did the work to build around those teams. You go back to the Patrick Ewing era, and we lament. What would it have been like if Bernard King and Patrick Ewing could have played together? And then you add in the pieces that you added with that team. If they had one more score, again, with your Starks and your Oakleys and, and those players of that era, it would have been a, a more formidable 
more dangerous team. So even when you get a player, you need to have more players around that player to give that player right some support and to make your team that much more versatile in how they can beat you, which makes defenses tougher to defend you. Right? Simple logic. And so what I want to do on our poll question tonight, at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7, here it is. Many Nick fans want to build through the draft. So how long are you willing to wait to see them make a deep playoff run? Is it two years? Is it three years? Is it four years? Or do you say, forget it, just give me some free agents. I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm not waiting any longer. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. And the reason why I throw in the free agents as an option is because I believe that it is the mixture, the combination of both that is going to make your team successful. It's the young players, obviously. It's also that savvy veteran who has a ring, possibly, or who has at least gone deep into the postseason that can help teach your players what it takes to take that next step, what it takes to be great, what it takes to move forward and achieve what you want. Because ultimately, what you want is a team that can compete year after year after year after year. You don't want a one-and-done team. And you're hoping, as a Knicks fan, that the management staff that's there, Tom Thibodeau and his staff right now, you're hoping that they will be able not only to choose the right players, but will be able to develop those players to make them players that can be an asset to your team. For far too long, that has not been the case with this Nick franchise. And it's part of the reason why they're in the situation they're in. They have been bad for at least five or six years and still have not been able to put forth a player that you could say is a can't-miss guy. Mitchell Robinson is a very talented young man who shows a lot of potential. And he, he is, I believe, one of the building blocks you could have. Frank Nilakina, the jury's still out on. All right? Kevin Knox, the jury's still out on. He looked pretty good the first year, did not look good the second year. Dennis Smith Jr., who you acquired in the trade, is as inconsistent as anybody in the NBA. So while you have young players and while you have assets, you have not really developed them, or you may just say, you know what? They're not good. We'll see what happens with R.J. Barrett this year. Will there be signs of improvement from him from last year in his rookie year? Will he be able to go to the foul line and knock down some free throws? Will he be able to more consistently hit the mid-range jumper? Has he been working on his three-point shot? He's done a nice job getting to the basket, but he has to realize that, yeah, you get to the basket, but you have to finish strong because you're going to be knocked around a little bit. So what has the coaching staff of Tom Thibodeau seen from the players they have right now? How do they plan to develop them? And what's the game plan for bringing other players in? That's what's going to determine how good this Nick team is going to be, especially if you're from the school of you want them to just continue to stack young players and get better and build through the draft. So how long are you willing to wait? Get your thoughts on the Knicks. And 
You want to build through the draft, and I understand it. I do. But how long are you willing to wait? See file under the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, the process. It's about a process. Hasn't totally worked yet, has it? Oh, they're better. Well, there's no question. They're better. But how many draft choices did they go through that haven't worked out? Hmm? Just food for thought. Off to the phones we go. Carriers and Queens, carry your batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, how you doing, Larry? So, so happy to be on the radio with you. Thank you for taking the call. I hope you're a voice of reason because I've been listening to nothing but madness on this station all day. Uh, Colin wanted to make comparisons. He's uh, Westbrook is not Carmelo. What you're going to get after three years is the exact same results as you got with Carmelo Anthony. I do not see other NBA players clamoring to play with Russell Westbrook. He's a little bit moody, and it's almost like special dishes. He has to, it has to kind of fit your palate. That's the first thing. And, you know, he's hard-driven. He's a hard worker. He's box office, like Stephen A. Smith said. Yeah, he's box office, you know, and all of those things. He's not Jimmy Butler. He's not Isaiah Thomas. He's not even Allen Iverson. And what I mean by that is he may have a resilient mindset, but he doesn't have a resilient skill set. He cannot shoot. Who are you going to pair him with on this team? And what's the plan over a couple years to build around him? And you're going to pair him with Tom Thibodeau. So while he's not um, breaking down now, by the time Thibodeau's done with him, he'll be through the mill and he'll be done. And in three years, we'll have nothing out of it. No new players, no superstar players come to play with him. We'll just be back at square one and $150 million down the drain. Kerry, you make some great points. Thanks for the phone call. Let's see if we can tackle them one by one. Um, first of all, he is box office, as you mentioned, quoting Stephen A. And that would be one of the reasons why the Knicks would bring him here because they're looking to at least carry be, you know, relevant. They've got a franchise in Brooklyn that many people think will come out of the East and contend for the for the NBA championship if Durant and Kyrie are Durant and Kyrie. So that's number one. At some point in time, this hierarchy feels that they need to put something on the floor to make them, as I said, relevant. That's what he would do. But here's where I agree with you. If they don't put anything around him, that's going to be a really tough situation for him. He'll enjoy being the the number one option this season. Okay, he'll enjoy being the guy that gets to push the basketball and gets to hit the last shot and gets to be that energizer buddy and gets to be the phenomenal player he is. Make no mistake, he is a very talented player. Russell Westbrook can play basketball. Excellent rebounder from the guard position. A great passer. Decent shooter mid-range. Not the three, you're correct, but can put the ball on the floor and get, get to the basket with ease and finish strongly. Does a lot of players like to play with him? Not really sure. I know that James Harden apparently doesn't, but then again, uh, James Harden's got a number of folks who have tried to play with him and has not worked out. That They've gone and moved on. So I don't know whether it's Westbrook or whether it's Harden. <laughs> but I do know that James Harden's looking for another dance partner if he stays in Houston, and he doesn't even want to stay in Houston. 
So it's an interesting scenario, but uh, it, it's something where the Knicks will probably need a player like Westbrook, but I don't know if they need that type of player right now as they're still in their building process. Enzo's in the Bronx. Hey, Enzo, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, big fan of the show. Thanks, Enzo. What's up, partner? Hey, um, I'm really just tired of Knicks being trash. I've been a fan for 30 years, and I'm just sick of it. Um, the draft is not an answer. It's You get one player in a decade, maybe, that could change the franchise. You don't get them that often. And honestly, I don't see why people would want to come to the Knicks. You saw with Kevin Durant. He doesn't want to come and save the team. They need to change the stigma. Westbrook here a few years, get some playoff, go to the playoffs a few times, players see that they're not a franchise saver, maybe they'll come. And also, being in the same city as Kevin Durant, I don't, I, with his temperament, Russ will just go, I think, ball out of his mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't, I, to me, it's a no-brainer, but maybe I'm crazy. Thank you. No, Enzo, you're not, it's not a no-brainer. Th- thanks for the phone call. It's not that you're crazy. It is something that, as the Nick front office, they should discuss it. Because once again, it's about putting something relevant on the court. You cannot continue to put talent on the court that only gives you 15, 20, 21, 22, 23 wins a season. Fans are not going to continue to pay for that. And in this post-COVID-19 era, when you allow fans back into the building, there's going to be some folks who are really going to try to figure out whether they can still keep their season tickets and and what are they looking at. I mean, it's a whole reevaluation, okay, on what we're doing and how we're watching sports. So you need to have something there where you're going to pull some folks in, eyeballs in. And, yeah, I know that going to the postseason and saying, what are we going to bring him in here and spend all this money to be the eighth seed or the seventh seed? Listen, (laughs) Knicks have not been in the postseason in a while. And your young players need to learn what it's like to play pressure games in the postseason. That's how they grow also. So it's it's not a, I won't say it's a no-brainer to bring him, and I won't say it's a no-brainer not to bring him. It is worthy of discussion. It's really about how much money you're willing to spend at this point in time to improve your team. And I'll say this. $85 million is a lot of money over two years. That's what Russell Westbrook will make. $85 million plus he's got a player option in year number three. He's 32. Be 32 uh, today, I think. All right? Chris Paul is 35. Same amount of money over two years. Knicks seem to be more interested in Paul than they're interested in Westbrook. If it were me, if I could get a player, and I understand, and it kind of balances out, right? Because you've got a player on one side, you say, well, listen, Larry, if I've got $85 million, I've got one player that's 32 years old and one player that's 35 years old, and we know that Tom Thibodeau has the reputation of wearing his players out. Now, we don't know if he's going to change that or back off from that because that's part of the reason why he had trouble getting jobs in the NBA, and he has acknowledged that he's gone to other different coaches and, and players and, and different practices and watched, and maybe he'll make an adjustment. But let's say for this discussion, that he's the same guy. Well, then I'm going with the younger player. I'm going with Westbrook at 32. But on the other side, what kind of leans you towards Chris Paul would be 
that player option is probably at least for another 40 or so million for Westbrook. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. When you could take that money and get maybe some other players, right? You could take that money and maybe get a couple of other free agents. So that's the discussion that's going on with the Knicks right now. That's the that's where we are. Will's in Staten Island. Hey, Will, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing tonight? Great, Will, what's up? Oh, man, I've been bursting at the seams with this point. We definitely... Definitely, 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 definitely need to get Westbrook. It's like a a, a hand in glove fit. Um, oh man, for so many different storylines. Right, I'm going to start here. Westbrook is a no doubt phenomenal player. That is a no question thing. He is a phenomenal player. Even if he isn't averaging a triple double, anything close to that, and the hustle he shows on the court is what exactly what we need to inject excitement into New York. Hold on. Westbrook coming to New York, all right, he is already Big Brody. He's respected league-wide, whether you hate him or love him. Now, people hate him because this world is getting soft, all right? Westbrook is hard-nosed, gritty, in-your-face, to the rim, dunking on you, old school. That's what New York is, and he's a point guard, so he handles the ball all the time. Can you imagine the excitement, the crowd that would... The way he was, how many dunks he's gonna dunk on people and scream into the sky? You imagine he is Big Brody. Okay, so nobody wants to um, spend the draft pick on him. Why not? Like the Knicks have been great at drafting people all these years. I'm a 30 year Knicks fan myself. We suck at drafting. So taking give somebody a number eight pick for a, a guaranteed general, a general Big Brody on the floor. Okay. So now we give away the eight pick. We still have the number one pick next year in Dallas. So say if Westbrook comes, early young kids, we get we keep um we keep Robinson and we keep uh, R.J. Barrett. Okay, mm-hmm. we keep Smith. Okay, we keep we we add on. However, we're gonna add on. Like LeBron did, he went there. They didn't have nothing. They added on. We can add on. However, we gonna add on as long as we keep them young boys. And if they and if Westbrook earns their respect which I'm pretty sure he would because he is Big Brody and he shows that work ethic and he knows how to win, even though he hasn't won a championship, they're going to fall in line. So imagine we have R.J. Barrett, Robinson, Smith, and we, and whoever else we draft that's already in buying into the system that's already in place after a year of Westbrook being here. And then Tom Thibodeau running them, yeah, he's going to run them. You don't think Westbrook feeds into that? He wants to be ran. He wants that that fire. He wants to be um, um, the best pulled out of him. And he's going to do the, the same thing for the young boys. And then here's well, another I'll tell you story. this, Will. I'll we tell got you this, KD in Brooklyn. And, KD, and thanks for the phone call. I'll wants- tell you this, Will. I love your passion about it. But there's one thing. What do you think Houston's going to take for Russell Westbrook? You're, you want to keep, really, the best players, the best young players the Knicks have. You don't think Houston's going to want that? That's number one. Number two, I know what you said about how the Knicks have drafted previously, and you are correct. But they have a new drafting uh, front office. They've got new folks, new people. So they're trying to change. They have changed a lot in this front office with Leon Rose. Player personnel, scouting, how they scout, how they, you know, the way they choose players. They, they seem to be better 
in developing players because you have more uh, coaches with college experience that's on his staff. So they're really trying to, when you look at it, they have actually firmed up and solidified how to develop young players and how to do a better job at choosing the best talent to bring to this team. So they, they we'll see how it works out, but they've actually realized that that was a weakness and not a strength, and we'll see how that turns out. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, our poll question tonight. Many Knicks fans want to build through the draft, so how long are you willing to wait to see them make a deep playoff run? Two years, three years, four years, or <laughs> forget it. Give me some free agents. Talking about the Knicks again, and talking about them and the draft, and how tough is it? How patient are you willing to be? This team's been bad for a while. I mean, let's face it. Let's be honest. Nick fans, we know. This team is not. We haven't even we haven't even sniffed. The thought of making the postseason has not even been, you know, a, a, anything. We, it's not even possible. I mean, it's like, it's like Coach Moore. Playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs? You thought pl- playoffs? That's what it's been like. As a Nick fan, that, that's what it's been. And many of you, and I admire you, to build through the draft. Let's go. Build young players. And I just want to know how long are you willing to wait? How long do you think it'll take for them to build through the postseason so they can make a strong run, a deep run, you know, like to Eastern Conference Finals? That's our poll question. Many Nick fans want to build through the draft, so how long are you willing to wait to see them make a deep playoff run? Two years, three years, four years? Psh, forget it. Give me some free agents. <laughs> I don't want to wait anymore. Elton Johnson says it's been so bad for so long that all we know is hope. Keep the hope train rolling. We have no idea what the contending team would even look like. At Larmit 10, you can't build through the draft if you keep drafting bad players. Hmm. 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones we go. Emmanuel's in Fletching. Manny, you're next on 98.7. Hello, Larry. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Manny. How are you? Yeah, it's been a minute. How you doing? Yes, yes. Uh, listen, I would, well, I, I would actually would do a Russell Westbrook to Knicks in a very good heartbeat because you said it before. I mean, if, I mean, I, I mean, thank God for Michael Kidd yesterday. He said this. I mean, okay, we could do the draft, but it's no guarantee that the next draft pick was going to be a slam dunk. We've been there before. I mean, at, uh, Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox can ring any bells. Uh, if you bring Russell Westbrook in, you're going to bring a guy who is a who once who not that long ago had his third straight year with a triple double, an MVP in the process, and also this he never missed the playoffs. He's three years younger than Chris Paul. I think it may benefit of of an R.J. Barrett and um and, um, and Mitchell Robinson and, and even and even the, the draft pick that we're both and we're about to get those two draft picks. Supposed to get, but at the end of the day, I think at the end of the day, I mean, next, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to be at some point. We can't rebuild forever. We have to start winning games because 
because uh, you can't be on uh, every year be on the draft lottery tanking, not get a number one pick, and then drop some player that we probably is okay, but not the player that we wanted. Because we, we failed in 2015, we're called Anthony Towns, we failed 2019 with the Zion thing. At some point, we need to stop rebuilding and start winning. Because if we're not, if we, if we continue to do this, build to the draft, build to the draft, we're not going to get anywhere. I hear you, Manuel. Thanks for the phone call. Here's the only thing, I, and I don't disagree with you what you're saying about Russell Westbrook, and I don't disagree that you need to start winning eventually. I do not disagree with that. The question is, what are you going to build around him? And yes, he's a tremendous player. Yes, he's Mr. Triple-Double now. Used to be Oscar Robertson, now it's him. <laughs> he's Mr. Triple-Double. Do the players he have on this team right now, could they score enough that he would average a triple-double? Assists? I'm not worried about the points. I know he'll do double figures in points, and he'll probably have to do double figures in rebounds. But is he going to have double figures in assists with this team? What are they going to do to put what? If you bring him in here today, what is the game plan to put other talented players around him? That's number one. Number two, who are you giving up to bring him here? I mean, let's look down that roster. If you're Houston, is there anybody on this team that you definitely want that will match the salary? Guy's supposed to make $82 million over the next two years. 82. I mean, suppose they want players and draft choices. How many draft choices are you ready to give up for Russell Westbrook? And how many of those will affect what you do in the future? Adam's in East Brunswick. Hey, Adam, you're next on 98.7. Uh, I got three reasons why the Westbrook trade makes perfect sense for the next. Number one, ultimately, you don't have to give up your whole stock. You're probably going to have to give up either Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett. But regardless, Westbrook played the best basketball as a big man down low. So he's going to score enough points offensively to, to make up for the lack of production. But again, number two. Adam, I need you to call me back. Your line is is breaking up, and I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, So hang up and and call me back. We'll get you right back on. Uh, Here's my issue with number one. (laughs) Are you willing to give up Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett? Have you seen enough of Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett to think that they're not going to improve? Well, If Houston wants either one of those two, that means that they think that they can be really, really good. So if somebody else thinks your players can be really, really good, despite the fact that they really want you to take his salary off their hands, because that's the main thing they want. Okay, they want his salary off their hands. They don't want to continue to pay him all that money. So if you think that, first of all, I I don't know that I would give those players up for him. And I hear what you're saying about, uh, you know, it's a different game. And you got the three-point. But then who's rebounding other than him? He, you need to have other players on there that's going to be able to, to, give, you, to give him some help. He, you need more talent. He is not just the end answer. Adam joins us again. Hey, Adam. About that. All right, so, go ahead. Uh, 
Point number, number two. two, what I was going to say, it was it's like an Amari Stoudemire. You bring a big name into New York, and then, you know what, you start building the pieces around that. You'll have enough with the young talent where, you know what, you, you might go in as an eight seed, you know, bottom line seed, but it sets up for the future. And number three is then if you're still kind of in that bad situation, you get draft picks. Maybe by the time Westbrook hits his 36 year, 37, he starts acting like Jason Kidd, where he actually learns to be a point guard. And now you got the ultimate situation where you've built a team, and then he's now that fundamental point guard at the end of his career, where it's like a Chauncey Billups or Jason Kidd when he made the playoffs the last time. So I hear what you're saying, Adam, and you made some some good points. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for calling back. You made some good points. Let's go with um, number three first. That's a lot of money for me to end up with a guy who you're saying is at the end of the road now, and I've paid him $82 million plus the player option in his third year, and that gets him to 35 Okay, and now I still got, and I'm still not where I want to be. All right, so that's a concern. Uh, the second part, I hear what you're saying about him being like an Amari Stoudemire. But once again, did the Knicks adequately build around Amari Stoudemire? A. And B, you know, and I know they had to overpay for him. And they gave him more money than anybody in the league wanted to give him because everybody knew that his knees were not in the best of shape. So really, ideally, what they should have done is given him less money or less years. So then they couldn't have gotten out of the deal and moved forward. To compound that, Mike D'Antoni, because he was having, and I get it, the first the first half of the season in his first year, Amari Stoudemire was having, he was in the running and the comments by many people talking about he could be the MVP of the league if he continued that way. That's how well he was going in the first half of the season. The only problem was he was averaging about thirty-eight to forty minutes a game on knees that could, that weren't that couldn't last that couldn't take that punishment. So what you did was you burnt out your investment. You knew he was damaged goods. You could not afford to play him that long, but you had to play him that long because you didn't have enough people around him to have a, a, a decent team. So that's the concern you have. If And I don't deny that the Knicks need to have somebody that can teach them how to win. I don't deny that the Knicks need somebody that makes them relevant. I don't deny that the Knicks need somebody to make them entertaining. I get it. But is Russell Westbrook really that guy? On paper, he would be. But here's a guy that's used to, as you said, used to making the playoffs. Here's a guy that's, that, is he making the playoffs his first year with this team? based on what we see this team to have right now, and you have to give up some of the players that you have who were pretty good players to get him. I don't know. Are you looking at a year, two years? How long are you looking before you're able to substantially bring some pieces in? And then depending on how frustrated he is, will you? are you then hoping that he brings some other people with him? So maybe some other free agents that you could have? I don't know. I'm as as a Nick fan. I'm a little done with this free agent thing. <laughs> as far as one guy bringing another guy in because they want to play together, that 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 doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to work for the Knicks. 
Works for other folks. Doesn't seem to work for the Knicks. Throwback Thursday edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPNNY98 underscore 7FM. We've been getting the thoughts of the Knicks fans in this edition of the program. Getting your thoughts on how long you're willing to wait to build through the draft. Because many of you have called and told me you want to build through the draft. And what is so interesting is the numbers on the poll question, and if you haven't, please, we urge you to participate, is that right now the numbers in the poll question, two years, three years, four years, or forget it, free agents, forget it, free agents is leading by a slim lead over two years, which is fascinating. Maybe these folks who are saying, forget it, give me free agents, are thinking, hey, you know what? Give me, I want a mix of players. I want a mix of some veteran players and the young players together. Because, I mean, you know, we we might as well be good because we don't get the top draft choices anyway. <laughs> you know, we're bad. We lose. We, 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 we try to tank even though we don't really do a good job at it. We try to tank and we still don't get Zion Williamson. We still don't get, you know, the top players in the draft. We always end up getting six, eight, whatever. We never get number one. So maybe they believe, listen, let's just go ahead and play the role and be at least decent and use these draft choices to solidify our our depth on some of these teams. Maybe that's the thought process. But it, it is interesting, and we invite you to participate. Remember, at the bottom of the hour, we'll go back to school with Trevor Scales. Some interesting college football games this weekend. We'll also recap the uh, tremendous Clemson-Notre Dame game from uh, last week that had everybody talking. And we've got a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon game here on 98.7 ESPN we'll talk about with Trevor Scales. That's at the bottom of the hour. But right now, you know what time it is, Brian. Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. You know, the Bleacher Report gives this trade scenario. Listen carefully. Wayne Ellington... Bobby Portis, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox II, and a 2020 round, 2nd round pick, 2021, second round pick for Russell Westbrook. Now, think, listen again. Wayne Ellington, Bobby Portis, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox II, and a 2021 second round pick for Russell Westbrook. If you were the Rockets, would you take that deal? I'm going to tell you no. But anyway, the Rockets may have visions of a first-round pick dancing in their heads, but those may be tough to secure in the Westbrook trade because the contract is a nightmare. Two years at 85 mil plus a third-year player option. But according to reports, you know, the Knicks like Chris Paul also two years at 85 mil, but no third-year player option. Westbrook 32, Chris Paul 35. Stephen A. Smith was on the Michael K. show, and he was asked, what would the Knicks have to give up to get Russell Westbrook? Everything, and that probably still wouldn't be enough because it's the Knicks. They don't have anything to offer uh, Houston. I mean, if Houston were to give up Russell Westbrook, it would be to get his salary off their hands. That would be their motivation behind getting rid of Russell Westbrook. He definitely would be box office in New York because even though he can't shoot three-point shots, and that's a hindrance for him, he's unstoppable one-on-one. He can get to the basket anytime he wants. He's a big physical guard with lightning quickness and incredible athleticism who's ultra, ultra aggressive. 
New York City would absolutely positively fall in love with Russell Westbrook if they were able to get him on their roster because a championship wouldn't be expected. So it really would be up to Russell Westbrook, too. But it would also be up to the Houston Rockets in terms of do the Knicks have anything to offer them that would intrigue them to make such a move. I don't think that would be the case, but you never know. You never know, and I don't think that trade that the Bleacher Report has put out there gets it done. Stephen A., why does Russell Westbrook want to leave Houston? James Harden is ball dominant. Russell Westbrook is ball dominant. Russell Westbrook believes himself to still be a superstar in this league that should not have to defer or should not have to play off the ball. And obviously that's not going to be the case in Houston because even though he's great in his own right, he's certainly not James Harden. And as a result of that, uh, he has made it clear to uh, ownership and management for the Rockets as late as last night. He absolutely positively wants out uh, into reconcilable differences from a basketball perspective. I'm not going to sit up here and say that him and James Harden are not friends anymore because that would be a responsible on my part. I don't know that true. By the way, Stephen A., since we're talking hoops in the local area, let's talk about the Nets. What do you expect from Brooklyn this season? I believe that the Brooklyn Nets are going to the NBA Finals. Oh. I think that Kevin Durant I think that Kevin Durant is just that lethal, and I think that Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving, with the roster that they have in place um, that Sean Marks has put together, I don't think there's any excuse at least not to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Anything less than a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals would be a vast disappointment. And when you consider the kind of player Kevin Durant is, yeah, you're coming off your ACL. But that ACL happened in June of 2019. It's now November of 2020. They're going to be tough. There's no question about that. It's going to be interesting to see how they're able to roll when the season gets started. Speaking of rolling, according to the Indianapolis Star, Victor Oladipo wants to roll. Like out of Indiana, out of Indiana, he's told opposing teams during the during the team during the season that he wanted to join them, and this in front of his Pacer teammates happened against the Raptors, the Heat, and the Knicks, which only worsened the tense situation. Quoting, "Can I come play with y'all?" and the quote he was heard saying on more than one occasion. Now the Knicks have been rumored to be interested in trading for the two-time All Star who's coming off major knee surgery that limited him to 19 regular season games last year. New York Post reports that one potential deal could be the Mavericks' two first-round picks in 21 and 23, which the Knicks own, Julius Randle, and either Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina. Once again, Mavericks' two first-round picks in 21-23, which the Knicks own, Julius Randle, and either Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina for Victor Oladipo, who's entering the final year of his $82 million contract. And obviously, he's looking to be moving on. Well, maybe if it's the final year, maybe you save your options and just get him as a free agent. See how he plays this year, right? Moving to baseball, Yankees open to Gary Sanchez trade as they look at other options. Listen, Sanchez had a terrible 2020 season getting replaced as the starting catcher in the playoffs by Kyle Higashiosa. And now, the two sources have told the Post the Yankees will at minimum listen to offers on Sanchez. They've been in touch with Yadier Molina's agent, as first reported by the MLB Network. Finally, as the Jets enjoy the bye week, the conversation continues over what the team should do about Sam Darnold versus the NFL draft of Lawrence and Fields. Well, our general manager, Monday Night Football analyst, Lewis Riddick, discussed how are you going to evaluate Sam with Greeny on 98.7? If I have a young quarterback still on his rookie contract like the guys that you mentioned, let's just take Sam Darnold, for instance. And even Dak Prescott, although he's about to get paid. Okay, I'm trying, what's happening to those guys 
is not a function of or a referendum on their ability. It's a referendum on the people who are putting the team together around them are failing those guys. Okay, Sam Donald has shown enough to say this. He needs better coaching. He needs better supporting cast. Simple as that. He's getting the life beat out of him. He's getting his football, like I want to say like his football soul, his football love snatched out of him because he's on a team that can't compete. It's rough. And it's the age-old discussion, right? Do you bring him back or do you or do you take the young kids? Yeah, Joe Douglas has got his work cut out for him. I'll tell you that. That's top stories for today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jake. On Throwback Thursday, we welcome in Trevor Scales from Harvard University, also from the uh, family of networks here at ESPN. Hey, Trevor, how are you? Getting better as always. How about yourself, Mr. Hardison? I'm all right, thank you, sir. Let's begin with, uh, you know, the Ivy League canceling winter sports. So that I guess that means the move football season may be moved again. Yeah, it, it appears that the uh, athletic director for the entire conference, uh, excuse me, executive director for the entire conference, Robin Harris has decided to cancel all fall and winter or fall and winter sports now, uh, with no promise of spring sports starting up uh, when that schedule would have theoretically picked up. And it is an abundance of caution, right? We understand that, but that goes without saying that football, as it was originally teed up to potentially begin on January 1st, is no longer an option. And so we'll see what exactly they plan to do with it. But it appears that the 2019 into 20 version of college football for the Ivy League is no more. So that is a season that is a wash for those seniors and something that I truly do feel for those athletes. Yeah, there's no question about that. All right, Trevor, look, we got Georgia, Missouri canceled. Texas A&M, Tennessee canceled. Ohio State, Maryland canceled. Alabama, LSU canceled. Auburn, Mississippi State canceled. Uh, two questions. Talk a little bit about coronavirus's effect on the season. And then part B, how's the committee looking at this? How are you going to figure out yeah. who's the champion? It, it, it's such um, – like, obviously, the season itself is an anomaly, right, in how they're sort of having to deal with circumstances that no one has ever faced uh, in this modern time that we're experiencing. When it comes to how the SEC is going to uh, process this information and deal with these postponements or cancellations as they might end up being, they're going to power through, Larry. And I, and I think that's been abundantly clouded from the beginning when they sort of laid this schedule out and said that we, are, we have every intention of playing a conference championship, uh, of determining a champion, and then participating uh, hopefully in the college football playoff. Greg Sankey, a direct quote from him is that he is – Shaken but not deterred. Mm-hmm. All indications point to them finishing out this season because, as you and I both know, there is quite a bit of money associated with every one of these kickoffs that occur, courtesy of TV rights, uh, the boosters that pay to sort of uplift programs on a weekly basis, and uh, just all of the money that is inserted and, and involved around these college football programs. They are going to finish this season. Now, what the college football playoff committee is tasked with now is determining who are the four best teams in a season where we don't even have the equal amount of games being played. There are no cross-references for common opponents or anything like that. The metrics that we have are based upon opponents that are exclusive to these teams' schedules. So this is the ultimate season in subjectivity. That's what I've been preaching to the high heavens on the college football show on Twitter, YouTube Live, ESPN, FN, 
YouTube. Uh, so make sure you catch that 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays. But I digress. To say that this season poses the utmost challenge for that committee, but it also kind of relieves a lot of what the discussion typically centers around them uh, in that they are always accused of having no true set order of guidelines and rubric that they're following in determining the four best teams. Heck, there's no real way to determine the best teams outside of the eye test this season. With that understanding, they are liberated, in a sense, to select the four best teams based upon what we're all watching on a week-to-week basis, and that's just who jumps off the page. So there's a sense of relief for the committee, but there's also a highly raised sense of responsibility that they have placed upon their shoulders to determine the four best teams to participate in the college football playoffs. And they got some work to do because right in the middle of this, Trevor, one of those teams could, and we hope it doesn't happen, could fall with a situation where they're going to lose some games and now you have to reevaluate everything you've just been discussing. Right, right. We, we could get to the end of the season and Ohio State may have played four games and they may have looked incredible <laughs> in those four outings, but they only have four games to their resume as compared to maybe a BYU that goes undefeated for their eight or nine game season. And compared to a Notre Dame that beat the number one team at one time in the country uh, and, and also may have one loss, right? Like there are so many different metrics and so many different sliding scales that they are going to have to be tasked with in order to sort of make these determinations. I am not jealous of man one of those individuals <laughs> that has to sit in that room and determine these sorts of things. It's Trevor Scales taking us through – College football and the situation they've got with COVID. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Trevor, let's go on the field. Last week, everybody was talking about the Clemson-Notre Dame game. That game, the overtime battle that went in without Trevor Lawrence. Um, What do we take away from that game? Do, Do we look at Notre Dame differently because Trevor Lawrence was not in the game? I, I think it's it's such it's, – it's funny that you pose the question that way because I think a lot of what we saw, a lot of the questions, rather, we entered that game with were centered around Ian Book and his performance and the lack of reached potential at the quarterback position for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I think mm-hmm. Ian Book did a great job of answering a lot of those questions. He put together some drives and some throws that really put your mind at ease that he is actually built – for the big stage, there was the fumble of him going into the end zone, <laughs> but like that's something that he later redeemed himself for. And and a lot of questions were answered specifically by Ian Book, and that's where the largest questions were centered entering that contest. I I know that Clemson is going to be fine going forward. You look at DJ Uyunglele and and know that he is a special talent at the quarterback position, and knowing that you have Trevor Lawrence coming back hopefully, willfully, mm. prayerfully, uh, and healthy, right? Like, that's a team that you expect to bounce back. I think the committee will absolve that loss because everybody looks at that game and knows that their very best player wasn't there. Granted, they have another Heisman candidate in the backfield and Travis at the end, but, dog, at one point he had 10 carries for 11 yards with his longest rush being for 10 yards. Mm. So there's there was something to be said specifically about that Notre Dame defense, one that people may have said, okay, they're playing against ACC offenses. They may not be all that good, despite their uh, eighth-ranked in the nation SP-plus rating by Bill Connolly with ESPN.com. But 
they are real. You could see that team's speed jump off the page every time you watch them on a week-to-week basis. So mm-hmm. them matching up the way that they did against the Clemson Tigers proved all of those assumptions correct, specifically pertaining to their defense. And now Notre Dame rolls in against BC. They do. And BC is a different type of challenge. Mm-hmm. When we saw DJ Uli Ungalale be more of a rushing sort of attack, and granted, he still got his throw in the ball. Boston College has every intention of slinging the ball around this field. And they will go in there fully aware of their capabilities because of how they challenged Clemson just two weeks ago. So, is Notre Dame's secondary built to handle that? Right? I don't know where they are at the corner position, relatively speaking, to the rest of the ACC. I know safety-wise, Notre Dame can hang it with the best of them. They have a front seven, and right down the middle of their field is where they are the strongest. I worry about where they are on the edges, and this is the week that they will be tested. So look for BC to come out swinging that thing again and put Notre Dame potentially in a hole that they are going to have to dig themselves out of. And once again, we're asking questions about Ian Book and whether or not he will rise to the occasion and continue to propel this Notre Dame fighting Irish team into the top of the the college football playoff conversation. It's going to be an interesting game. Should be a good one. Uh, Right here on 98.7 ESPN at noon on Saturday, uh, we were scheduled to have the LSU battle, but we don't have that because of the cancellation. So we've got Miami Vatek. What can we expect in that one? Hey, you know what? Look, two high-powered offenses uh, ran by two really prolific quarterbacks. So expect to track me when you wake up, have your coffee, settle in to watch a long day of college football <laughs> or listen to a long day of college football right here on ESPN 98.7 FM. You will be able to enjoy the likes and silings of the Eric King being able to make some really big plays with that Miami offense and a Miami defense that is really eager to get after the quarterback. But Hernan Hooker, the quarterback for the Virginia Tech Hokies, uh, has put together some pretty impressive offensive performances as well. They went up against Liberty last weekend, they being the Vontek Hokies, and it was a nail-biter to the very end, one that they lost to Liberty courtesy of some botched sort of decisions coaching-wise that led to a game-winning field goal for 51 yards out for the Liberty Flames. But I digress to say that the Virginia Tech offense was on full display last weekend, and they will continue to roll into this weekend. It's going to be a track meet. I think that's one thing that we can look at this uh, matchup and take away from it. Uh, A lot of the predictors predict Virginia Tech to walk away with the win, but it's not going to be one that is – uh, uh, an easy and comfortable win just because of the explosive capabilities of that Miami offense. I got one more to ask you about, but you mentioned Liberty, so I could not help but uh, talk sure. a little bit about the uh, number 22. Liberty is facing Western Carolina. And there's this young man, Josh Mack, who who can moves well with the football, Trevor. He, he's got some skills at the running back position. Without question, man. He's a guy that we talk a lot about speed. Through the hole, not to the hole when we're talking about running backs. That patience, the trademark sort of hesitation that you see from a Le'Veon Bell, for instance. He's the most prominent display of what it means to be patient as a running back and to pick and shoot your gaps when they become available. Uh, That's not necessarily Joshua Mack's game when it's that prevalent necessarily, but Mm -hmm. he has an ability that once he sort of finds his lane, he's a one-cut back. He's a strong joker, and he can run downhill with the best of them. I wonder when it comes to what he provides on an NFL roster. His lateral quickness is something that I haven't seen too many flashes of. And 
Part of that is because of the scheme in which he's running, and mm-hmm. part of that, too, is that he's in a stable of running backs with delivery plays yeah. that has no shortage of options when it comes to running the ball, including their own quarterback. So he hasn't necessarily gotten the tread uh, worn down on his tires, which isn't an all-bad thing when it comes to being a running back in college football because you want to go make your money at the pro level. But Joshua Mack is a guy that's a downhill runner, a one-cut runner, a guy that is strong and is built like it, and you can see it. Uh, in his build when he's wearing his uniform. And that's the type of game that he plays, hard to bring down and uh, makes it difficult for defenders to even want to step up to the plate to try to do so. Last thing, Trev, uh, USC facing Arizona, Oregon facing Washington State. Uh, this is week two in the Pac-12. What, what Are they pointing upward? They are. I, I, I appreciated the opening weekend in the Pac-12. I think one of the biggest challenges we all – sort of looked at out of that conference is that they were lining up to play some noon Eastern kickoffs, right? Understand that that's a 9 a.m. kickoff for some of these jokers on the West Coast, specifically USC and Arizona State last weekend that provided maybe the best college football game of the weekend, aside from that double OT thriller between Notre Dame and Clemson. So they came out and had a very solid performance. It wasn't a messy game. It wasn't a sloppy game. It was quality football, understanding that it was week one, For both of them, Oregon in the primetime matchup against Stanford showed that despite losing Justin Herbert, still has a strong run game, and their switch in offensive coordinator is only going to be more comfortable in doing just that and running the ball with the stable of backs that they have. And so the Pac-12 is here to kind of make a little bit of noise towards the end of this run of an anomaly of a season that tries to put them into the conversation for the college football playoff as well. So we'll see if they can end up making a run to be one of the Final Four teams standing. It's going to depend upon those two teams in USC and Oregon to make enough of a case within their own conference. And again, we don't have interconference play to sort of make a uh, have a barometer for how well these teams are playing. Mm-hmm. But again, those two teams continue to perform the way that they have, uh, at least in week one. We might see one of those jokers end up in the conversation. Sounds good. Trevor, as always, thanks for a couple of minutes. Where can we see you tomorrow? We will be live 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on Twitter, YouTube Live, the ESPN app, uh, and Facebook as well for the college football show, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. And then again, 11 to 11.30 p.m. Eastern, the wrap-up. We kind of take you through all the best social moments as well. Have a little fun to close out the night. A whole lot of weird stuff typically happens throughout the college football day, and myself, Gary Streisky, and Christine Williamson are there to take you through it all. Keep up the great work, my friend. We'll talk next week. Very much obliged. Y'all be well and be safe. All right. Trevor Scales giving us the lay of the land in college football. This is ESPN New York Tonight.